Good day, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Cliff Notes of the Global Manufacturing Picture. I'm Cliff Waldman. I'm the host of the show, one of many on Manufacturing Talk Radio. For this midsummer episode, and I hope everybody is having a good summer. If you're traveling, I hope it's a good time. Um, I'm going to do something that's different, but at the same time, for manufacturers, particularly global manufacturers, which is most of you, very central. We've been looking at the short-term uh, outlook very consistently and very justifiably. It's a troubling one. But for manufacturers in a, in a, um, in a sector that is constantly changing in so many levels, technologically, in terms of the workforce, in terms of the, the global outlay, in terms of supply chains, Long-term factors should be as important for your planning and your thinking as the short-term perturbations that we have been dealing with lately. And for that reason, we're going to take a look at the global population picture. The United Nations just released the 2022 revision of world population prospects. It's their 27th edition of this rather remarkable um, publication that gives you official population estimates and projections. If I always tell people uh, that it is the only reliable, globally comparable source on population uh, it, for every country in the world, and it not only has population growth, but key population for parameters, which we'll be talking to uh, today, fertility, mortality, deaths. Growth, growth of certain segments, uh, age segments of the population. This 2022 report, just released a few weeks ago, presents population estimates from 1950 to the present, 2022, for 237 countries and areas. And these are underpinned by analysis of historical demographic data. It is really a remarkable and a valuable um, source of data, particularly for those of you who are involved in labor force planning for your companies around the world. And I think it doesn't get enough attention, but population really, really matters. Now, why, before we get into the nuances of what this report is telling us, why does population matter? Well, I often say there are four reasons that I'm going to give right now, although I can probably give you 40 reasons. But the four most important reasons uh, are, are what I want you to take away from this episode. The first one is what I often call the most important uh, equation, at least in macroeconomics. The growth of the labor force plus labor productivity growth equals the long-term growth of the economy. Not short-term, not ups and downs of recessions and recoveries and pandemics and inflation, but the long-term sailing sustainable level of growth of the economy in any in the world economy, in any region, any country, is labor force growth plus labor productivity growth. Of course, labor force growth is a function of the growth of the population, and that already tells you why population is so important. The growth of the young population, the younger populations in any country, any part of the world, and the growth of the workforce governs your labor supply. That's where you're hiring from, and I've spent many years listening to manufacturers talk about shortages, skills deficits, not being able to get people to fill critical positions. Positions, and I suspect that it, or it very much 
you know, that these workforce issues very much govern um, global location decision-making by particularly large manufacturers. What about the third one? Well, uh, birth, uh, fertility, they all uh, go into household formation. Household formation is a critical catalyst for manufacturing demand. Households, when they form, buy houses. Walk into anybody's house in anybody in any country these days, and you'll see the output of 40 or 50 manufacturing industries. And finally, another one that many of you have talked to me about is on the other end of the age distribution is the path of worker retirements. Many of you see a retirement wave coming. You don't know what you're going to do, and it's a difficult problem. The path of worker retirements is a challenge for the manufacturing workforce. So there's the top four out of one of probably 40 reasons why I'm talking to you today about the latest look at the global population from the United Nations. Four reasons. One is labor force growth is one of the two components of the growth, long-term growth of the economy. And that, of course, you know, is governed by population growth. Young populations and the growth of the workforce is, is your labor supply. That's where you hire from. Household formation is a critical catalyst for manufacturing demand. Households buy lots and lots of manufactured goods from many, many industries and retirements. So let's, let's get into it. The 2022 report was released with a, uh, a press conference that was broadcast around the world. And what did they find? What generally did they find? Well, they, while the world's population is expected to reach 8 billion on November 15th of 2022, how about that? What a marker, 8 billion on November 15th of this calendar year, slowing, believe it or not, slowing population growth is, is and has been a growing story. In 2020, and for the first time since 1950, the rate of population growth fell below 1% per year, and it's projected to continue to slow in the coming decades. Globally, life expectancy reached 72.8 years in 2019. That's an increase of almost nine years since 1990. Think about that. Almost a decade has been added to the average human lifespan since 1990. Great implications for housing demand, for manufactured goods demand. Now, it fell to 71 years in 2021 due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic has distorted and will continue to distort some of these data. We'll talk about it in a few minutes. By 2050, the average global life expectancy is expected to be about a little over 77 years, 77.2 years to be precise. Life expectancy for women exceeds that for men by 5.4 years. People generally know that, but 5.4 years, that is a lot. And that has implications for um, goods demand. In 2021, the average fertility, now fertility is birth per woman over the, the lifetime of the woman. In 2021, the average fertility of the world's population was 2.3 births per woman over a lifetime. This is a drop from about five births per woman in 1950. And by
by 2050, the average global fertility rate is expected to be 2.1 births per woman. Now, I should explain something. I, demographic, the relationship between demographics and economics is something that I have spent a part of my career studying and publishing on. Uh, smaller, smaller families are a, um, a sign of economic development. As a country goes from, uh, you know, struggling at, at a lower income to a growing higher income country, generally speaking, there are more um, opportunities for women outside the household. There's less of a need for a, what's often called a precautionary demand for children, where uh, because, they, you know, families don't feel like they're, you know, going to be able to have enough savings to be secure in their old age, they have more children to take care of them. And in more advanced economies, medical um, care is more advanced, social security, pension systems are more advanced. So as, as development occurs, the average fertility of any area goes. And we're seeing that, you know, sort of generally taking place, although with dramatic differences, around the world. So, again, in 20, the average fertility of the world's population was 2.3 births per woman over a lifetime, a drop of about five uh, births per, from about five um, births per women in 1950. By 2050, the average global fertility rate is expected to be 2.1 births per woman. Now, that 2.1 figure is critical. That is often called the population replacement rate. That's how much that's the number of births per women that we need to essentially replace population. People often ask me, why not two? When do we think two parents and two kids? Unfortunately not. It has to be 2.1 for the very unfortunate reason that the world still has not conquered infant mortality. Infant mortality and, and frankly, maternal mortality has to be figured into that figure. Now, a large part of the, the world right now is even there, I'm giving you global figures, but a large part of the world right now is living in a country or an area where the fertility rate is below 2.1 births per woman. That means that the population is shrinking, and we will see that in about 61 countries, the, the population is actually shrinking, even though globally it's just um, slowing. The share of, what about this aging phenomenon we hear so much about? Well, it's very real. The share of the global population aged 65 and older is expected to rise from 10% in 2022 to 16% by 2050. 2050 is not that far off, folks. Sounds like a, you know, a large number, but it's not that far off. To go from 10 to 16% means that pop, global population aging is going to continue to be a very strong uh, demographic, socioeconomic, and certainly an economic factor. And by 2050, the United Nations projects that the number of persons aged 65 and older worldwide is projected to be twice the number of children under age 5. Think about the implications for our future. I mean, um, aging populations cost uh, countries. There are fiscal encumbrance upon the countries. And if they're twice what it is under age five, you, you wonder about the future of labor force growth, the future of our economy. It presents a dramatic challenge for the world with big economic implications, and every manufacturing company, small and large, needs to be thinking about these trends. 
Now, I've been giving you, you know, broad uh, global metrics, um, but as I sort of inferred in my comments, regional differences are important. They tell the story. In 2022, the two most populous regions are both in Asia, Eastern and Southeastern Asia. China and India, with, with, with more than 1.4 billion people each, account for most of the population in these two regions. And here's an interesting tidbit, and I've been talking about this in lectures that I give for years now. During 2023, this is earlier than I thought, during 2023, India is expected to surpass China as the world's most populous country. Very long time, China was up there, the most populous country. India is younger and is going to, uh, next year, projected to surpass China as being the most populous country in the world. That is going to have interesting implications for the balance of geopolitical power and economic power uh, in Asia. I'll be talking about that uh, down the line. More than half of the projected increase, and listen carefully to this for your for your planning, for your thinking about where you're going to sell your goods, produce your goods, hire your people. More than half of the projected increase in global population through 2050 will be concentrated in just eight countries. There are almost 200 countries plus a number of territories in the world, in just eight countries. Five of these countries are in Africa. The Democratic Republic of the Congo, Egypt, Ethiopia, Nigeria, and Tanzania. The other three are India, Pakistan, and the Philippines. Life expectancy I alluded to, and as you might imagine, is big global regional differences here. Life expectancy in the least developed country lagged a large, a very large seven years behind the global average, and this is due, as you might imagine, to such factors as child and maternal mortality, HIV, which in certain parts of the world remains a scourge, conflicts, and violence. Violence. Uh, we're going to be going, uh, I'll be telling you more about this later, we're going video with my show uh, pretty soon. I'm going to show some graphs here of total population. If you look at sort of the medium variance scenario of total population growth, you know, since 1950 it's been straight up, but, uh, you know, in and around 2050 it starts to level off and we're no longer, you know, going to be living in a growing population part of the world. Um, High-income countries really are, are seeing dramatic drops in fertility, or low, and so are low-income countries just, you know, just from higher levels. Uh, population by broad age groups is a, a graph I'm going to show you on, on a video at some time because it's so important for manufacturing, particularly those who are concerned with hiring and forming your workforces need to see. Population by broad age groups in, in the world, you have the two largest, uh, are the, the two big growers are the 25 to 64. Now, the 25 to 64, um, you know, sort of levels off at uh, 2050. 65 plus grows even faster from a lower base, but grows even faster. And there's no sense of leveling off. Even as, as you might start to level off in the 65 plus um, age cohort by 2100, but even that's uncertain. The younger age cohort, 0 to 14, 15 to 24, as you might imagine, with fertility declining and declining fairly 
precipitously, they're going to, they're starting to see a shrinkage in the percent of the population accounted for by young people. Very big consequences. As I don't have to tell uh, manufacturing executives, very big consequences for hiring, also for the type of goods that are demanded um, and produced. Now, what one thing that I I know that manufacturers would care about the most is their labor force, and the, therefore the age cohort that you're probably directly the most interested in is 15 to 64. That's generally the working age population, very slightly from country to country. It's 15 to 64 in the world. So many peaks. Now in low-income countries, it hasn't. It's, it's peaked due to a peak uh, that's already happened in, in high-income countries, but in, particularly in Africa, to some extent in India, mostly in Africa, Africa has, the, with all its challenges, has the benefit of a positive labor force trajectory. It's one of the few regions in the world that does that. India also, but to a somewhat lesser extent. I'll show the graphs when we're on video. But, again, for most of the world, the uh, 15 to 64 cohort that you get your people from is shrinking as a share of the population. Again, the, the benefits of uh, youth in Africa are showing themselves in that the, uh, <coughs> the working age population is growing as a percent of the total population, particularly in Africa, also to some extent uh, in India, which now, is going, as of next year, is going to be the most populous country um, in the world. All right, so I'm going to have a lot more to say on this. Let's, let's finish off with two sets of comments. Uh, uh, let's talk a bit about COVID and how COVID is affecting all this and then some general comments on manufacturers. And I will come back to this topic because it is critical. And with all of, of the short-term difficulties that we are facing now, inflation, recession, um, climate change, uh, the many, many geo, uh, war, geopolitical uncertainties, the growing tensions uh, between blocks of the world. Um, this population story often gets missed, but it's as dramatic, as, as daunting as anything else that you're dealing with in the short term. The pan, in terms of COVID, the pandemic could alter the global population picture. Developing less of, you know, less wealthy economies are less resource to the advanced world for vaccine distribution as well as, you know, post-pandemic fiscal and monetary policies. This is holding back the recovery some, although, we're, you know, to talk about economic recovery with uh, this raging inflation and the necessity of uh, monetary tightening that's going on, uh, you know, it's, it's all relative now. Everybody's suffering, but uh, developing economies are going to be are seeing a slower recovery from the pandemic than is happening in the advanced world. Now, across the globe, changes in supply chain configurations, automation investment, reconfigured factories, and as well as offices are going to affect labor productivity growth, uh, labor productivity growth, and therefore affect what, you know, uh, the growth of the population is going to do to long-term economic growth. I'll have more to say on that down the line. And across the globe, World growth rates might be affected for a number of years uh, by the pandemic. The pandemic was enough of a shock to affect birth rates for a few years 
And, of course, there are implications for labor force growth and thus potential economic growth there. But I think basically the summary that I gave you of the, the this recent U.N. report that came out with a bang a couple weeks ago is really what you want to know. Now, let, let's give three implications. Let me finish by giving three implications of this for U.S. manufacturing, and we'll leave it at that and we'll talk some more about it. Labor's because slow, we have a slowing population growth world, 61 countries where population is beginning to decline, fertility coming down, the working age population, except in uh, African India, started shrinking as a, a percent of the total population. All that means is that labor scarcity, that you know, if you're a manufacturer, you know very well what that term means. Labor scarcity will become an increasing reality of life in the manufacturing sector over the coming decades. That has big implications for your planning, for your automation, for your technology um, strategy. Right now, lower-income countries, and notably Africa, had the demographic advantage in terms of a growing labor force. For those companies, for those of you who may not have thought of Africa as a place for um, a production site, it's, it's getting to be more and more interesting. Multiple challenges. Not, nobody's going to kid you about that. But it's got a uh, young population. It's got a growing population. They're starting to embrace free trade in, on the continent. So some interesting things and particularly interesting demographic things going on in Africa. And, of course, the, the obvious point here is that families are getting smaller. Now we're, we're having, you know, two kids. We're having a slightly above two kids. For a woman, that's five. Smaller families need smaller houses. Now, that could change, that could, you know, sort of readjust itself to larger houses as a result of the pandemic. This is, because if this work from home phenomenon sort of sticks, which a lot of us think it will, that, that may sort of readjust the need to, from smaller homes to larger homes. But, if families getting smaller means that the demand is changes the demand for goods, the types of homes we are in, education, the communities we're in. All of that, one way or another, um, has implications for business, implications for manufacturing. I hope everybody's having a good summer. I want you to think about these population figures. It's, I don't talk about them enough. Economists don't talk about it enough, but they have huge implications for manufacturing. This is Cliff Waldman saying, have a great summer. We'll see you for the next episode. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.